you have to be a strong individual. If you want to be an entrepreneur, entrepreneur and have uh, employees or people that you're responsible for, I mean, there's a lot that you have to wake up and wear every day to make good decisions, but also to, you know, to know what's going on. Like it, you have some fiduciary duty to be pushing them to be, to grow and to be the very best version of them. What is up, Fort Brewery? Hello, can I get a, can I get a, what's up? Yeah, there we go. We got, we got to wake everybody up down there. My name is Kevin Lackey. This is the RFN Podcast. If you don't know about the RFN Podcast, it is a podcast that is, uh, is done here locally in Fort Worth out of my office over off University in West 7th. And the podcast is uh, developed and meant for people who want to talk about leadership, development, uh, the right levels of action uh, that are needed to be successful in their personal life, uh, their business life, uh, balance for themselves. And I've had the pleasure of being able to interview a dozen plus entrepreneurs, people who I really respect uh, over the last six months or so. And this is exciting for me to be able to do something completely different. We've never done a live podcast. It's always like in an office in a little box where no one else is. And so for those of you who are not here intentionally for the podcast, I apologize in advance and I hope we don't ruin your night. Uh, but we're going to have a lot of fun. I want to introduce my buddy, Will Churchill. Thank you for being on the podcast. Absolutely, Kevin. Uh, it's you know, super exciting and uh, I'm glad that we together could bring the largest crowd you've ever had. To a live podcast. You know, I knew the moment that I decided to invite you, that was what's going to happen. Like, the crowds were just going to come out of the streets. And I'm, I look out there, and I'm like, wow, man, there's a yeah. lot of people here. But they're all looking at you. I think it was your face on the poster that brought them in. Well, uh, you know, I don't blame them. It's a good-looking face. I moisturize. I do all this stuff. So, you know, just to get started, we are doing a traditional podcast. This is not to me, uh, meant to be a... Uh, a comedy set. We're not going to get out our acoustic guitars. Uh, all we're doing is what I would normally do in my office, uh, which is talk about uh, different topics and, and talk with different people uh, to learn uh, from them, to learn about them. You know, your experience as an entrepreneur, uh, your, uh, your presence in Fort Worth has been really awesome. Uh, but but what, before we get started, I want to do a few things, okay? First, I want to say uh, thank you to your wife, Rachel, and Cash, your, daughter, your, your son and your wife, uh, for coming here to support. My beautiful wife, Debbie, for being here to support me and to hang out and have a good time. And then several of the team from uh, Freedom Power Sports and the RFN podcast. Uh, you know, it's just really, really awesome that y'all are here to support us and just have some fun. Uh, special shout out to my boy, Dennis, over here. He has been working with me for the last four or five months, six months on this podcast uh, to edit it, get it developed, and to produce content. And, uh, you know, I want to say that over right now we have over a thousand different listeners. Uh, this will be my 14th episode, and we're just getting started. This is something that I intend to do for a long time. And my only goal, we don't get paid, we don't have advertisers, we don't do any of that stuff. This is only meant for people who enjoy podcasts. Uh, to learn and to listen to information that they think can be helpful to them in their life. So I hope that you get something out of this. I hope that you can learn and have a great time. 
And Will, again, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Let's give him something to listen to. All right. So let's get it started. So, Will, why don't you tell me a little bit about you, you know, your family. I know that we introduced your wife and your son, uh, but you, you know, how long you've been in Fort Worth, uh, the businesses that you're in, and just some of those things. Absolutely, Kevin. So my uh, great-great-great-grandfather was actually the first doctor in Fort Worth and had the first non-Indian child, uh, Clara, which is actually the name of the beer that we're drinking now. So if you go all the way back to the start of Fort Worth is really where our roots are from a Fort Worth perspective. And um, it, it's, it's with that heritage that we look at everything in Fort Worth and try and give back because the community of Fort Worth has been so good to us. So my great-grandfather, you know, a lot of people know us for the automotive industry. So my great-grandfather started that in 1935. He was yeah, actually out of uh, Clinton, Missouri. Uh, moved down here, uh, was working for a gentleman by the name of uh, Webb Kent. And the guy, uh, Mr. Webb, said, you can uh, work for me if you can sell a car in three days. And he sold five cars in three days. And then that's what started that relationship. And that was back in the day when you, uh, he had to teach people how to drive. And the people on the street were mad because they were getting all the horse and buggies out of the way. Golly, think yeah. about that history, man. Yeah, That's... so all the way back. So that was actually pre-1935, but we consider our starting year 1935. So everyone for knows. Frank Kent Cadillac. For, for Frank Kent. For Motor Frank Kent. Kent. Yeah, so we started with Ford 1935 to 1952. And then in 1952, uh, we switched from Ford to Cadillac and have been with Cadillac uh, ever since that point. And, um, you know, it started with my great-grandfather and then... Uh, my grandmother was involved, and then my mother was involved, and then my mom passed away in uh, 2005, and then my sister and I took over in uh, 2005, and then we've kind of modified the portfolio since then, grown it a lot, and here's where we sit. Man, I think that's what's so cool about you. So one of the things I want you know, to talk about, Will, and the reason, one of the reasons that uh, I was excited to have him is he is this entrepreneur, entrepreneurial giant uh, in Fort Worth fourth generation, right? You know, you, you hear the great-great-grandfather and the way that he started in this business, but I know personally that Will's mission, and he said it whenever he was kind of doing the introduction of, of his background, is that he, his personal mission that I've watched him and gotten to know his wife is to give back to the city of Fort Worth. So Fort Worth has been incredibly good to them, and, and it's, Fort Worth's been great to me, and to see y'all nourish this community and to support it in the ways that you do, which we'll get into throughout the podcast, has been extremely awesome. Uh, but Will is also one of the most humble people that I've ever met in my entire life. So I remember the first time that we ever met, uh, I was working at a power sports dealership in Weatherford, Texas, and one of our mutual friends, uh, Troy Moncrief, said, hey, I got a buddy, he wants to get a side-by-side, -side. said, great, send him out. And, uh, you know, we did, it did interaction, we did a business, said, you know, said hello, got to know each other a little bit, but it wasn't until about four years ago that you and I started to really develop a, a true friendship. And I think that, you know, getting to know you, it's one of the things that you have this huge impact on Fort Worth and this legacy that you have come with, but that you're also trying to leave on Fort Worth. So, what makes that so important to you? I mean, you know, coming out of this, you know, these generational businesses and you have all these responsibilities, what makes you wake up every day and say, I want to give back to Fort Worth. I want to continue to put myself at risk, my time at risk, 
you know, you said you and your sister, y'all do this together. You know, what makes it so important to give back to Fort Worth? You know, um, you listen to a lot of entrepreneurial stories, and, you know, I, I'm blessed to know Kevin's story. I don't think there's a better pitch man in the world than Kevin Lackey. I mean, thank you, man. That was, that was awesome. But, um, you know, there, there's, there's ways that entrepreneurs grow up, and a lot of the stories that make the press are the people that, you know, started from nothing and built it up to something of some significant magnitude. Um, my sister and I were blessed that, you know, we were born into this entrepreneurial existing family. Yeah. And that there were existing businesses there. So, you know, it's not like a rags to riches story. Yep. Um, so we understand that we were blessed to be in that position. And so what we do on a continual basis is we understand that we were given a gift. Okay. And we appreciate that gift. And so our goal is to try and how can we help other people catch that entrepreneurial spirit and help grow them up. Um, because we know that what we were given was, it, it's not available to everybody, you know, unfortunately. And so how can we spread that out and give people the same leg up that we had? And so that's what we wake up to every day. It's, it's not, you know, this is going to sound corny and it sounds stupid and people will be like, well, of course you say that because you're in that position. But for us, it, it, it has little or nothing to do about the money. Yep. It's just about helping people and winning. And that's what I know about you, and that's what I love about you. It is very little about money, and it's not corny because you have a choice. You've had a choice uh, to do all the things that you're doing to give back and to help promote people and to employ people and to make this, this city great and to give people opportunity. I mean, I see you working in the business. I, I, I see very little people work as hard and in the business with their hands on the business, in tune with all these different things like yourself. One of the things, so I want to ask you a question. Do you believe that you were, did someone raise you or inspire you to be able to have the quality, the characteristics, to have been so fortunate? You're right. Not, not as many people talk about, uh, you know, we'll go right to the, you know, to the point that you said you were blessed with, all, with some of these things. Yeah, so, born with a silver spoon. I mean, I, you can say it. I mean, yeah. I, it's, it's just, it is what it is. It you is know? what it is, but you've had the ability to so many people, the higher majority of people that I've ever come across, uh, really screw that up. And I would imagine that you've probably experienced that or seen that a lot, where not as many people know how to handle that and to be able to take it and really do something with it. So is it something that was ingrained in you? Uh, were you, is it, is it a natural ability? Is it just a part of your personality? Or was there a person in your life that you watched or the history of watch, knowing your family and what they've done that has formed you to be able to handle this the way you do? Well, you know, I think that's the old age question of nature versus nurture, right? Okay. And, um, you know, I, I think my, my great-grandfather, Frank Kent, was a huge example to live by because he was that rags-to-riches story. And I, while I was only around, he was only around for about the first eight years of my life, I got to see how he treated people uh -huh. and how he interacted with people. And then from my mom's perspective, I saw how she handled and interacted with people. So I think I got some of that from them. And then some of it, I mean, you can be around it and not take it in and be a complete turd, Yeah. you know? So I, I, I think that, you know, I saw the example of what to do and, and, to be honest with you, and my wife knows this, um, I, there were some examples in my life of what not to do, right? And, and I would argue 
that everyone will profess of this is how to do something and this is how you should do it, sometimes the best lessons to learn are what not to do. And, and, and so I witnessed the, the, the fallout from, you know, Bad uh, decision making. Bad decision making. I I, I have a uh, a book that I want to write, and it's called The Big Three. Okay. And it's for business people, and it should be put in every MBA class. And if you are promoted or succeed up to a certain level, and you haven't Peter principled, which means you got promoted beyond your skill, but yep. if you're within your skill set, there are only three things that will get you kicked off that, and that is your ego, drugs and alcohol. And if you're a male, you're lower extremity. Yeah. And if you look at all the examples in politics, in sports, in everything, it's one of those three that knocks someone out of the position they're in. Yeah. If you can control those three things and you have the ability to, to do what you're doing, you're going to succeed. Man, it's such an important lesson. Uh, so my story is very different, and you know that. You know, I have done more of the come from very little, started from humble beginnings. Uh, my wife and I started our business with, uh, you know, a credit cards, a line of credit at the bank that they didn't know exactly what we were doing with that line of credit, um, you know, mortgage the house and the whole deal uh, just to kind of get this, this thing started. And we've been really fortunate that we've watched over the last seven years our, our business grow 10x and to have 350 people on our team and across multiple states. And you know, the example that you talk about, like, of the best lessons are what not to do, like watching other people on what not to do, I 1,000% believe today in operating uh, the business, Freedom Power Sports, that the things that have kept us on track and focused in the right areas and continuing to seek success and not having these issues were from watching the three prior owners to me on what not to do. Not that they weren't bad people, uh, but I learned incredible lessons from each one of them in different areas that I didn't even know I was really learning. I was just around them and saw these behaviors or saw these, uh, I saw the consequences, right? You're talking about consequences. And so you were able to see, you were able to get some of the nurture and see hardworking people, but you were also able to see great examples of what not to do, who you don't want to be. Well, a absolutely. And, you know, when, when you become a successful entrepreneur and, and, and success is very, you know, it, it, yeah, I don't know how defined. you define it, yeah. but very loosely defined. But, you know, you, you take a business like ours. I mean, we, we have an ad budget of over $2 million a year that yeah. we spend in advertising. Okay. Well, people will tell you anything they want to try and get a piece of your ad budget. So, once you start spending money, oh, you're cute. Oh, you're this, you're that. And if you don't, if you haven't seen the ramifications of all that stuff, yeah, you're like, oh man, I am cute. Oh, I am good. No, they're just they're lying to you. Know who you are. Yeah, and stay with who you are, and and push all that out because they're, they're it's just they're it, it'll put you in a bad spot. And it's hard to do, right? It's hard to do whenever people, even with freedom growing, you know. It, it took me about a year to really get over the fact of, uh, you know, people win, you know, winning these awards. And they tell you, I finally figured out after three years, the way you win an award is by buying a table for 20. <laughs> yeah. 
buy a table for 20 at the event, and boy, you win first or second or third place. Uh, you know, no one else showed up, but uh, very rarely do people uh, exactly, do people really, are they looking out for your best, um, you know, for, your, for your, the best you, like for your business and what really is going to help you grow and be better. Uh, most of the people aren't out there, so you do have to know you and be really solid in that. So I just want to, real quickly, why don't you just tell everybody, like, what, how many, what all businesses are you involved in right now? You know, I don't want to keep it just to the motor company. You, you've got a variety of businesses that you're involved in. I want you to just kind of tell everybody what those are. Well, I'll have to look over to my wife and make sure she keeps me straight on this. So um, we've got a, a rubs business called Grease Monkey Rubs. So it's a seasoning. It's in uh, all the central markets. It's on Amazon. And the reason we have that is because I have a high sensitivity to salt. Okay. And if you look at all the seasonings out there in the market, the leading ingredient is salt. Two reasons. One, salt's cheap. Two, the American palate loves salt. So if you hit it with salt first and then something else afterwards, they're probably going to like it. Yeah. And so, um, and I hate salt. So we thought there's a better way to do it. So we came up with the uh, rub company. So we have Grease Monkey Rubs. Uh, Those are in all central markets. Central markets. Um, we're here at Fort Brewery and Pizza. So yep. we have a brewery and a pizza place. Uh, we're running right into our uh, second full year with this one. Um, we have a recyclable pizza box company. Because of the brewery, we were looking for a way to quit throwing away all this cardboard. Um, so we started doing research. We found one guy in Colorado that had um, recyclable pizza boxes. He didn't have enough capital to keep the business going, so we jumped in, redesigned it, and hopefully we should be in market, I don't know, Karen, in about two months. <laughs> yeah, so we've got the recyclable pizza box deal. You know, we've got the, uh, we've got the real estate deal. Um, we've got dealerships in um, Corsicana. We've got dealerships in Ennis, Texas. Then we have the dealerships here in Fort Worth. We have a General Motors parts distribution business, which covers about 75% of the state of Texas. Uh, we just picked up Ford's accessory distribution business, so we picked up seven full states, uh, 11 partial states. Um, Rachel, have I missed anything? Uh, we have a rap company. Yeah. Um, and so we're doing some work for Freedom Power Sports. Thank, yeah, you, for the, thank you for the love. Thank you. Yep. And so we, and uh, our slogan is, there's a rap for that, so we can rap anything. Uh, we have a wine business called Cadillac Wines that actually sits inside of our Cadillac dealership. Um, and, um, I think that's, you know, I may come back across something else. But yeah. So let, let's talk about just, I mean, the re one of the biggest things about this podcast is really getting into the entrepreneurial side of things, uh, the balance, how, how many employees do you have across all those different businesses? Uh, we're right around 450 employees. Yeah. So 450 employees, 450 people, uh, really depending on you and others to make good decisions every day, which goes back to what we were just talking about, those things that can become distractions in your life and why it's so important. I mean, how does someone, an entrepreneur with all the things you got going on or someone who's young and starting a business and they start to see success, how do they stay focused? How do you start to stay focused and really think about, okay, this is not just about me anymore, you know, right? Like you have to wake up every day and think, yes, I have to make the right decisions for my family. I should make the right decisions for me. But now I have 450 people and their families, not to mention all the vendors and all the other people that are impacted by what you do. I mean, how, how do you do that? Like, what is the best advice you could give someone as they start to see success to really know that it's not about you, your decision making? 
Well, I think the, 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 the greatest thing to start with is to go back to the big three. Yeah. And one of them is ego, yeah. right? So when you start something from zero and you get some super big traction behind it, you can get lost in the euphoria of what you've done and you forget about, in our case, the 450 employees. Because in today's society, as a business owner, I can make one wrong comment or I can have one night of indiscretion yeah. and I have now impacted 450 employees, which probably impacts about 600 families. Yeah. And so you've got to understand that you are you, but there is a long line of tentacles underneath you that you're responsible for. And so, you know, one of the best decisions um, that I made was marrying my wife, Rachel. And Congratulations. we talk about this all the time is that the, the one of the greatest decisions you make is who you marry. Absolutely. Because there are being an entrepreneur. I mean, there is a lot of hours spent outside of the house. And if you don't have a supporting relationship when you get home, it's going to make your ability to be a successful entrepreneur very, very, very difficult. So I will say this is true. My beautiful wife who's sitting over there. Um, you know, not every day is perfect. We, we're like any normal couple. I'm sure you and Rachel, we, we have our own, you know, our own arguments around certain things. We're trying to raise kids. We're trying to do all these things. But from day one, uh, from the day I met her, she has been the most supportive person of my entrepreneurial journey of anybody that anybody ever more supportive than even my family. You know, my mom's like, you work too much. You need to slow down. You need to do this. You need to get rest. My wife, I'll call her at like 10 o'clock at night, like, man, I don't think I'm going to be able to come home. She's like, you want me to bring you a sandwich or whatever, or just stay there and work? Like, you need to stay there and work. If you need to get this done, go get it done. And that really, having the ability to have that person uh, that is, you know, your other half that helps, find, you know, can, that helps balance you, you have to have that. So if you're a young entrepreneur, if you're an old entrepreneur, if you don't have a person in your life that supports a journey or a passion that you have around what it takes, because we are going to get into that, what it takes to sacrifice and all the things that have to happen, um, then you better start looking. You better start figuring out real quick what kind of relationship you're in. I will say at some of the hardest times uh, in my relationship with my wife, uh, the support that she's always had for my passion and, the, and my journey as an entrepreneur has always uh, rebonded us together. Yeah, I, I would totally agree because there's there's not one moment in time that I can look back on and question where Rachel's support was. Yeah, you know. Now she may question some of my decisions, like, "Honey, are you sure you want to do that?" In fact, I got that last week. Yeah. But I told her before we pulled up to the building, I'm like, "Honey, can you just go ahead and get that out of the way?" So she's like, "Honey, are you sure you want to do that?" I said, "Okay, good. We got it out of the way." But there is zero doubt in my mind where her loyalty and her support is. And that gives me the energy to do what I do and gives me the support to, to, to be able to, you know, do dinners and, and do the things that you got to do as an entrepreneur to succeed. Yeah. yeah. So what, are, what, is, what would you say is the thing that, what is the one thing that, that will knock you off your game or drain you? Because I know you and now four years have gotten to know you you know, intimately as a friend, not intimate. I don't know. Is that weird to say? Oh, yeah. We're intimate. Yeah. Intimate. We, we, we know each other. I'll, I'll share your beer. All right. Nah. No, I mean, like, we really have gotten to know each other at a different level of a friendship and a bond that few people get to have with other people, yeah. right? And so I know all the things, the sacrifices and the time away from home and all those things. 
What is the one thing that will take you off your game? I think there's three. Let me hear them. I want to know what the three are. Ego, yeah. drugs and alcohol, and your penis. Mm-hmm. Because if Look, you can keep those in check, I mean, because th then you're focused on business and family. So do you, I don't have a wife here and a and a mistress over here. I don't I don't have a habit that keeps me up at night so I can't perform in the morning. So if Rachel's like, if y'all are off on something or maybe she doesn't support something you're doing, does that throw you off or y'all able to work through that? Oh, uh, we work through it. Yeah, just yep. some y'all are just a team work through. Y'all they call themselves the Three Musketeers, right? Yeah. Yeah, isn't that awesome that they the Three Musketeers? That's their family. Um, I got the dynamic five. I got uh, me, my wife, and three kids. And actually, if I want to freak everybody out, if you want to be super freaked out, my daughter is sitting next to my wife. So y'all try to figure that out. And that's her fiance uh, next to her. So let me repeat that. My daughter and her fiance and my wife. That's a weird one. Uh, and then we have a six-year-old and an 11-year-old at home as well. So how do you find the balance to give Rachel what she needs, not just as your entrepreneurial partner in this and her supporting you? Uh, how do you find that balance to give her what she needs and the time you know, for cash to be able to give them what they need? How do you, how do you balance all this? Well, I think that I'm not sure I do a great job balancing it, but here's what I do do that I think makes a huge difference is that I do two Everybody's things. Everybody's laughing because yeah. you said doo-doo. Because you said doo-doo? You said, you said doo-doo. I said doo-doo. What I do-do... Of course, my nine-year-old son's the one that picked hey, up I, on I, it. I, Cash. I, could, yeah. I could not laugh yeah. because he's laughing. Potty jokes. Yeah. Um, but, but, but I think the, the, the one thing that, that works well for Rachel and I is that I have two hobbies, I guess you could say. Work and family. So same here. That's it. So Rachel knows I'm either working my tail off yeah. or I'm at home with her. And that makes it, I think, a lot easier for her to understand the journey as opposed to, well, I just spent three days, you know, on in Warren, Michigan with Tom, Kenny, and Dara working on some Cadillac stuff who just came to visit us. And then, oh, I'm going to go play golf on Saturday, so I'm going to go burn five hours on a golf course, and then I'll get to you yeah. Saturday. No. I'm either working or I'm with my family. There's no weekend hunting trips. There's not golf every week. I mean, it just it doesn't happen. Now, you know, we do do, you know, like maybe once it's a year, doo-doo. Do -do. Yeah. And then next thing we do is we pee-pee. Um, <laughs> but, there, you know, we will, you know, I'll, I'll do maybe a guy's deal once a year. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's work, it's family. Because and I understand... I mean, I can't imagine the perception she would have if I'm working and then I'm going to go play golf. So that means that golf is more valuable than my family. Yeah. And then when I get done with all that, oh, I'll get to you as family. And it's just, you know, the last three years I spent a ton of time on the road. And, you know, the only thing that worked, I think, was because I would work and then I'd come home. And that's yeah. it. I think that's why you and I have connected over the years is I'm the same way. My wife knows. If I'm not working, I'm with my family. Like, I don't have hobbies. She knows. My team knows. If you ask me to go have a beer after work, like after I'm working, you know, 60 hours a week and stuff, like, it's just not going to happen. It's not because I don't want to hang out or I don't, you know, I don't like being social. It's just literally 
if I'm not working, I'm home with my family. Uh, I, and, and it's funny, you know, your guys deal, you even squeeze that in when your family's out of town and they can't be there, so you try to make, you know, you coordinate that. So that way you can have a little bit of guy time, but you don't do it at the expense of your family. Nope, never. So what's most important to you uh, in the future? Well, before we get there, so you talked about, um, you know, what is, so the balance is that you focus, you ruthlessly prioritize. There's one thing you left out in there, and I'm going to call you out on it because I think it's really important uh, in general for people. I, I think it's important is you didn't talk about yourself in there. So, you know, it's family or work. What does Will do to find balance? Uh, I find balance with my family. So that's what brings you your... It, it's got to. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, there, there's, I don't work out, I don't, I, I don't, I, obviously, look at me. That's not I mean, true. I, I, I named the guns. I named my toilet gym so I can tell people I go to the gym. So yeah. that's the closest thing I get to a gym. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's with my family. And, you know, Rachel and I, I, I think the key, one of the keys is that we're very similar, mm -hmm. right? So it's not like she wants to go out and party and I want to stay home. Yeah. We, we are the three musketeers, as you said, and we want to be together with the three of us. And so when we get home, you know, we cook, we have wine together. I mean, I, I guess you could say, you know, if we have a hobbit or a hobbit, isn't that like a, <laughs> He a, has a, a hobbit, I have in, a his hobbit closet. In, in my closet. Oh my so, gosh. I know. It's it's you know, we're getting into the beers. Did you but, buy that in Fort Worth? Well you, you can buy anything on Amazon. Okay. I got him at Freedom Power Sports. Hey, that's not true. Yeah, he came on a little fifty motorcycle. <laughs> um but it's wine, so, you know, Rachel and I share wine together, and that, that, that's what we like. And, I mean, it's not, you know, we, we'll have, like, a glass each a night. It's not yeah. anything outrageous, but that's where we connect, and she cooks. And, I mean, it's just, it's our jam. And we sit down every night as a family when I'm in town, and we do dinner. We do dinner at the dinner table. Every night. Every night. So how do you, so I just did a recent podcast on the power of no and the ability, the meaning behind it of being able to say no to things. And I know for a fact that I have a thousand things coming at me all the time. It's an invitation to lunch. It's an invitation to dinner. It's an invitation to this. It's a, you want a trip for this. You can go do this. You have to have it. I mean, I don't, uh, I have it bad, but I have to imagine that it's worse for you. There's always something for Will to be doing or somewhere to be. How do you uh, balance that? How do you know when to prioritize that this is important uh, and versus saying, like, no, I have, I'm, I'm working or I'm going home to my family? Like, how do, you, how do you keep distractions away from, like, penetrating your, uh, you know, the things that are most important to you? Uh, Kevin, that's a tough question. Uh -huh. um, I, I will say that it took me a long time to discover the power of no okay and no is such a refreshing word yes because it is so tough yes, it, it is. is so tough to say when you're on that phone and someone's asking you can you join this board can you come speak can you come do this and it's so tough but after you get off the phone and you hang up it's like oh my god that feels so good it's like yeah. one less commitment so um you know, I, I have a couple dead no's in my life. Number one dead no is I don't do lunch with anyone. Yeah. Period. Now, I'll do lunch with a friend like Kevin calls. But, you know, if a vendor calls and says, hey, let's go to lunch, that's like, 
it's the most awkward lunch on the planet. You spend an hour and a half. All they want to do is sell you something. They don't want to be there. You don't want to be there. Everybody and you're trying to figure out a way to get out of it, right? So what I tell vendors when they're like, hey, Will, let, let me take you to lunch. I said, hey, if you'll buy lunch for all my employees, I'll sit down and have a meeting with you. I've yet to, in 19 years, have someone buy lunch for all my employees and sit down and have a meeting. Yeah, it's a good way to get them to go. Well, if, if they want to have a meeting that bad, then they're going to feed your let, let my employees benefit, and then we'll sit down and have a 30-minute conversation. But I'm not going to go to a restaurant and have lunch with you. So is your passion uh, business? Is your passion the automotive business? Is your passion uh, discovering other things, creating solutions? Or is your passion just around being involved and, and being busy and growing something like, what is your real passion? I think my wife is still trying to figure out that, that, that question. Um, you know, I think in life there's builders and there's maintainers. Okay. Right? And so I get extremely bored with maintaining. Like, you give me something that's running perfect and doing right, I, it's like boring for me. Yeah. And so I think that inherently I'm a builder. Okay. Um, I didn't grow up saying I'm going to be a builder. It's just the way I was wired, I think. And so I've always got to be building something or doing something or taking on a project. Okay. Um, for me, you know, like I said earlier, it's not about the money, but it's about winning. Yeah. And it's about building. You are very much, you are very competitive. When you're, to think about the nature of like, it's not necessarily about the money, but it's about winning. And when you're running a business, making money is winning. But you're just saying, when you say it's not about the money, it's not about the money for you personally. It's not about the bling bling, the big fancy stuff, any of that stuff. One of the least, you're one of the most humble people I've ever met uh, and not a show off. So it's not about that for you, but like winning, making money in a business, if it's not making money, that's not winning, right? That, that would be not winning. And so you could say it's part about the money, but I think each business for me has its own definition of what a win is. Okay. Right? And so I, I think that when you hit that, then you've kind of won. So what did you define like what, uh, what, what winning would look like in one of your businesses, whether it's money-related or not? That uh, So let's take the rub business, right? I yeah. think that's super fair. So, you know, had an idea, thought, you know what, I can do this better than anyone's doing it. No one's taken it from the perspective that salt is bad. And so winning to me was developing a rub, coming up with labels, coming up with everything, and then getting it on the shelf of uh, one central market, yeah. which was Fort Worth, right? It'd be yeah. kind of cool to walk into a store and see something you created on the shelf. I'm like, that's winning. Well, this now dude went to Central Market and was one of the people testing rubs, showing people. Rubs. Oh yeah, you got to do product demo. Yeah, product. He was product demoing his own rubs. That's hand to hand combat, baby. I'm, yeah. So, um, which is instant gratification when someone walks away with that rub in their hand. Um, but so winning for me was getting it into all of the Central Markets okay. and then have it on Amazon. So from a Grease Monkey rub perspective, I feel great in the fact that we've won. Yeah. You know. You take uh, Fort Brewery where we are right now, and this was, uh, it was under a different name. It was in, in a much different spot. And so now we're trying to build up the brand. Yeah. Um, and then, so what does winning look like? I haven't really fully defined winning, but it's definitely having a product where people are like, oh, Fort Brewery, they know the name, there's product recognition, they're proud to be behind the brand. You know, it, it's, it, it's, it's having a great beer. It's, it's allowing 
this business is going to be different than our other ones because we've got some great employees and we want to bring them up with us and then give them a big piece of that success pie when it happens. So would you say winning then is a part of the, it's it's really the journey? And I know that sounds cheesy, but it really is a part of the journey, right? Sometimes success can just be taking something from some, you know, from a place that may be broken or under a different brand, it's not doing well, there's no morale, no culture, and then you get it to here. Not again, not again about the money, but you get it to here. Yep. And then it's like a new journey. Now we can go from here and we can continue to expand and grow to the next place. And then that's a win. So it's like constant wins, isn't it? Isn't it more? Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that because I don't have one business that has a financial target on it that defines a win. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I feel like that in freedom. For us today, it's like we're just in this long journey and we're constantly trying to grow. And, it, and, and there's times that it feels like we're, you're winning. Like, this is winning. This is, we've got all these great people. You know, all these things are happening. But then things are tough, and then you see, you know, hey, you want to change the business in some way, or you want to grow, and you go through different stages, and then you get to that next stage, and it's like, okay, that we're winning, you know. So it's it's a constant journey. I think it's not just about from here to here. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're you're absolutely correct, and um, and, and that's why it's hard to. I, th I think everyone defines winning differently, and I think the, the the general assumption that winning is defined financially. Yeah. And I think that if money is your primary motivator, I mean, let, let's be honest, no one gets in business to go broke. So I'm, I'm not saying that money doesn't play an extremely important role because that's what takes care of the employees. That's what helps everyone grow. You know, that's a prime necessity. But I think if money, you know, we, we have a saying internally, it's called MBEBP, which stands for morals, values, and ethics before profit. So everything that we do from an organizational standpoint has to pass the litmus test of MBEBP. Okay. And so if you say that again, MVEBP, which is morals, values, and ethics before profit. And so everything we do has to pass that litmus test. So if that is what your litmus test is, you'll make the right decisions because there's a lot of bad decisions you can make if money's your primary factor. Yeah. That's very short sighted. MVEBP is very long sighted. And how do you, how do you uh, think, what kind of advice can you give someone? that's in this constant place where making money just to keep the doors open or get to the next step is critical um, to stay very, to remain focused on those things, to remain, you know, remain moral, ethical, doing all the right things, treating the people the right way, taking, you know, making the right choices, doing hard decisions uh, ahead of the profits. Like, what advice would you give someone? Like, how does someone that's in this constant grind of a, trying to figure it all out, you know, that doesn't, you know, like you said, you have, you started with these businesses, so maybe easier said than done, but at the, at the end of the day, it's such an important characteristic or quality of a person. Uh, I think that that's what develops some of the most successful people, like sustainable, long, you know, business owners. What advice can you give someone that, that may be in the, in a place that they can be swayed one way or the other. They can, they can blur the lines, I guess. Oh, no, I, I, I completely understand it because when you're early on as an entrepreneur and you have leveraged everything you've got to do the business that you're doing, whatever that business is, um, you. you can get to a spot to where you would sell your soul to the devil mm -hmm. to make it one more month and think that that's going to be the thing that gets you over the hump. And that puts you in a really, really tough spot. Yeah. And, you know, um, 
the Cadillac store is the business that we've got, and it was a business we've given, but, you know, we've started, or I've started probably five other businesses, this being one of them that's ground up. And so there are, you have to trust that you're on the right path. You have to first make sure that you've taken out enough capital to survive the whatever, yep. right? Because anything that's quick money is not real money, and it's not sustainable. Yeah. I mean, it's just, that, that's just a fact. And so if you can build a good foundation and trust that what you're building is correct, you'll be able to build from it. And it can get very frustrating. And, you know, it's always darkest before the rain. You've heard all the corny little things. Yeah. But it is so true that at that point of inflection where you are ready to give up, if you can power through that point of inflection, your greatest days are ahead. So I, I think for me the most important thing related to that topic on how to keep your moral compass and not let lines get blurred and where there's gray areas is about the people you're surrounded by. So even though you may be like at the very bottom scratching, it's about the people you surround yourself with uh, that have all of the same uh, character qualities or the morals and the value systems built in that can help you see uh, how to get to the next day. You know, for me, fortunately, I'm surrounded by you know, a great family, you know, I have, uh, you know, a wife who's just a really good decision maker, very high uh, ethical standards, morals, values in our family. My parents, I was raised with good morals and respect. Uh, but in my business journey, I have an investment partner that, I mean, he literally is a Boy Scout. Like, you know, I don't, he, he is Eagle Scout times 100. And he always was just making you know, every time we would get to a tough situation or I would try to find the gray area to make something work, he would always bring me back to center of like, you know, no, we're going, we do the right thing. You know, you do the honest way. You, go, you do it the way that's honest. And it has paid dividends over and over and over. So I think surrounding yourself with good people because all it takes is one bad person around you that can steer you in that wrong direction. Well, and I think you and I are in businesses, uh, automotive and power sports, that there's a lot of dishonest individuals out there that do marketing and advertising the incorrect way, and yeah. it's extremely tempting to fall that because sales today will increase, but they're not sustainable because yep. of the backlash of, you know, you walk in and know that's not the price, and and so, you know, that's where we check ourselves on a regular basis. And, um, you know, I think there's two great businesses out there that are uh, people know about that are extremely popular that have made some moral decisions that were 100% correct. For them, yeah. you know, Chick-fil-A not open on Sundays, whether you agree with their philosophy or not yep. is irrelevant. They have Thriving. a belief and they're standing by it, knowing that if they were to open Sundays, they would add tens of millions of dollars to the bottom line, but they're not willing to. And then you go into, like, Dick Sporting Goods. You know, they decided to stop selling high-powered rifles, much to the chagrin of a lot of their clientele, and now they're seeing an increase in sales six months later. It hurt immediately. So doing what you think is the right thing is the right thing. Yeah, sticking to your core values, knowing who you are. Going back earlier to what you said, you have to really know who you are and stay true to that. And that can be hard at times to really find yourself some people get lost in that. It hadn't been hard for me. I've kind of always known who I am. But I think... A grinder. That grinder. Yeah. So uh, where do you look to for advice or mentorship 
um, like in your, you know, this Kevin Lackey. Woo, I knew you would say that. Yeah, that's a softball. You, yeah, he calls me every morning and says, whisper to me. I, Tell me what to do. I do. I wish I had half your drive. Lackey's a stud. Whisper. whisper. I appreciate that. I, I'm motivated by you, man. I really am. And the reason I'm motivated by you is uh, being able to see you in your businesses again, hand-to-hand combat. I mean, I never call this dude on a Saturday that he's not, like, engaged in the business. I never ask him a number about one of his businesses that he can't immediately go to it. Just always in, involved. But, but really, like, do you have some place that you go to for advice or mentorship? Do you have something, or is there something? I mean, obviously, YPO is a part of that, but what is there that has helped you continue to grow as a person, as an entrepreneur? Or have you just always been this awesome and moral and good decision-making? Like, what, what are those things? I think um, wanting to make sure that my wife and son never have to be in a situation where something negative happens, like, oh, your dad did this, or your dad or your husband did that, you yeah. know? I, I never want anything negative to be said about our family. So, you know, Is from that, that what keeps you like... I, I, I guess it does, because, um, you know, here's a big revelation that we'll make on radio. I've read three books my whole life. Yeah. Okay, so if I'm not a guy that reads books to find inspiration, to find whatever, right? One of them was Marley and Me, and I cried. <laughs> Great book. Uh, the other one was about uh, raising a child, yeah. um, which helped a lot as he's you know, laying on uh, Rachel's lap. And the other one was The Millionaire Next Door. Those are the three books I've read my entire life. So I don't go to books, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just yeah, yeah. not my jam. I mean... I can read books if they got pictures and subcaptions, but if you want me to read a full book that's like no pictures, it ain't yeah. happening. So you're just a self-motivated individual. I mean, do you just wake up every single day self-motivated on with your like ruthlessly focused on your priorities and the employees that you have and the, your responsibilities that you've taken on? I think so. I mean, I, I can't attribute to anything else other than an incredible family support system. That's awesome. So. Uh, what are you most excited about right now um, in your life? In you know all these things going on, all these different businesses. What are you excited about most right now? Man, I got a lot to be excited about. I know you, you know, do. Like, like you know, it's 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 a very interesting time that we're in. There's a lot of disruption going on, and anytime there's disruption, there's opportunity. You know, yeah. um, the world is not stagnant. Um, and so it, it, it's creating a lot of opportunity to look around and see, you know, from an automotive perspective, yep. you know, how are we going to be the differentiator in the automotive world, right? Because there's a lot of disruption going Changing on. Changing fast. Changing fast, just like power sports. Yeah. So we're, I'm digging deep to try and figure that piece of it out. We're, you know, I'm looking into robotics right now, um, trying to help my technicians inside our dealerships. So they don't have to come to the parts counter to get parts so they can keep their efficiency up. I'm working and looking at getting robots that deliver parts to my technicians. Um, so, I, you know, the we Rachel and I went and looked at a piece of property uh, last week. And, I mean, if, if we can swallow this thing, you know, it, 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 it belongs in a, it, a bank owns it. So usually banks don't own the best properties in the world. So it's got a lot of trouble with it, but got it's a got a lot of potential. So... You know, we, we got a lot going on. We're in a blessed situation. Um, you know, the automotive um, sales piece is slowing down a little bit. The climate's cooling. 
So we're, we're going to have to figure out what that next step looks like. You know, General Motors is in a big strike right now, and we've got a parts distribution business. And if you can't get parts, you can't sell parts. And our technicians can't sell parts, you know, on cars. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of, it's just, it's just a complex environment it's right hard, now. It's isn't it? As it probably was for my great-grandfather and my mom. So it's not like it's anything different. It's just a lot of opportunity out there. So do you wake up every day and get punched in the face by, a di I mean, all these different things, and you just eat it and grin and keep moving forward? you got to have a short memory. Yeah, you got to have a short memory. I generally, memory. I mean, my, my wife is like, hey, honey, we got to go do this tonight. She'll tell me that in the morning. I'll call her at 3 in the afternoon. Hey, what are we doing for dinner? She's like, uh, remember, we got to go do whatever. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, short so you just got a short memory. You can't forget about it, and you got to just keep plowing on. So what, um, what keeps you up at night? Um, I think the thing that keeps me up at night is, um, you know, I, I try and minimize it. So we used to, uh, for our parts distribution business, we used to have drivers on the road at night. And I always thought about those drivers every night. And um, so now we outsource that yeah. um, just because of that potential liability. And I don't want my employees out at night. Um, so I, I think what probably keeps me up at night the most is some of the... Um, some of the issues that revolve around our employees, and I don't mean that in a negative perspective, yeah. but you know, my wife and I were at um, one of our businesses. We had a big dinner at Joe T's the other night, and we sat at a table with a great group of warehouse workers. But when you sit down and you start talking with some of their spouses or dates or whatnot, you just get a different perspective, and I think it wears on your heart a little bit. And how can I help them grow? How can I help them get out of the situation they're in? How can I make their life better? Because once again, you know, I was blessed to be in a positive situation. And I think, you know, part of uh, that blessing is that I need to help pass that on to other people and try and help bring them up so that they can have a better life. Man, I'm so proud of you, dude. I love you for that. Aww. I love you too. I like really it. do, man. It's really hard to find good people who care, um, you know, when they have these responsibilities for people to make good decisions. And when you are thinking about, you know, that we we have a lot of stress you got a lot going on so it's not easy it's not just that you know life is so easy and so good uh, but when you do have the opportunity to talk to people and really get a perspective of what's going on when you have that many people you're getting hit with there's health issues there's financial issues there's kid issues there's I mean all these things and whenever you're hearing these stories one after the other it really does. I mean, it's, it's a lot to carry. Like, you have to be a strong individual. If you want to be an entrepreneur, entrepreneur and have uh, employees or people that you're responsible for, I mean, there's a lot that you have to wake up and wear every day to make good decisions, but also to, you know, to know what's going on. Like, it, you have some fiduciary duty to be pushing them to, be, to grow and to be the very best version of them and to help them see that there's more opportunity. Um, but it, it's hard. It really is. You know, it, it is hard. And, you know, one thing that, you know, when you talk about, you know, what do you look forward to and all that, you know, I think it comes down to your legacy and what people say when you're gone. Yeah. Because um, I think that's really when you begin to learn the impact of you had. Because I think as an entrepreneur, it's tough to understand that you have an impact on people. Yeah. And I think it's tough to sometimes see that impact. And so, you know, I'm always striving to make sure that when – this chapter ends that it's a good it was a good one 
And, um, you know, one thing that Rachel and I were discussing um, two nights ago was the fact that we, you know, you want to take away, so when we buy a business, you know, I ask them what they need, right? So I want to take away all the excuses yeah. that they might have for success so there's not that, well, boss, yeah, you, you didn't get me this, or boss, I needed that and didn't have it, right? And so what we're trying to do now that we're looking at doing is, you know, how can we help take away those excuses for people that aren't as blessed as we were so that they have a greater chance for success? So one thing that Rachel and I chatted about, I don't know how we're going to make it happen, but I think it'll happen in the not-too-distant future is we want to buy, like, an apartment complex, not a huge one, but we want to work with low-income people that don't have a nice roof over their head, fix them up, run a very regulated system on who's allowed in and make sure that they stay within these parameters and take drug tests and do all that. But if they truly want to be there and they truly want to better themselves, we want to try and help that. So we were discussing that uh, Saturday night. And so we're, you know, that's kind of where my mind is now because that is a legacy deal. That's right? what I was about to ask you. What does a so, legacy look like? I mean, what does that look like for you? You know, I, I'm blessed that I stepped into a successful legacy, right? And so I've always kind of been in the shadows of Frank Kent. And so, you know, uh, Rachel, I think Rachel did a great legacy deal this year and did Frank Kent's Dream Park. Yeah. She raised three and a half million dollars for a, uh, a playground for kids with all needs, yep. which Fort Worth didn't have. It's probably the largest city in the United States that didn't have one. Uh, the city didn't want to help financially. So Rachel went out, raised the money, said, we need this. We did it. And so that, I mean, she's done her legacy. Yeah, thank I, you, by the way. I, thank I, you I, I, there. Go yeah, Rachel. Go so Rachel. I would argue that I probably, I've done some legacy type business stuff where I try and help people from a business perspective. But as far as that big project, I don't think it's happened. And I think Rachel and I kind of landed on it the other night to where if you can take away the excuse of a clean house that's safe and an environment where people can grow up in, I think you give them a leg up. And so we're, you know, we're not doing anything today on it. That's, yeah. This isn't a big announcement, but I, that idea is in our head, and you know, my wife knows me well enough. When an idea gets in my head, it, it ends up in reality. So is it this year, next year? No, the opportunity will present itself, but we want to help people. So that's what it's about. That's what I love you love about you. So to wind things down, uh, give me real quick, what's Why the we got to wind down? Well, we don't have to. We wind up. Let's wind up. Come on. Wind up. You nah. want to <laughs> I, hey man, I know you got you got dinner with these guys. What is it? I gotta finish this, dude. I'm not a beer drinker, and I gotta drive. I'm like, ask my wife. I'm really, I'm really, I'm really boring. Like normally, I'll be in bed in eight o'clock, one hour. I'm like, ah. Uh. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I, hey I, man, bedtime's nine thirty. If I, I haven't seen the news since Moby Dick was a minnow. <laughs> I mean, it ain't happening in our house. Yeah, I agree, man. I'm an early bird, man. Do you believe in early, getting getting to bed early and getting up early? Are you uh, an early riser? We get to, uh, you know, I, my, I, I've got a, we, we've got a dog that has taken care of getting me up early. So, you know, Rachel and I, we put cash down 8.30, and we're in bed by 9, and so I'll, you know, I'll be asleep by probably 9.15 snoring. She's shaking her head, yeah. She's yeah. still reading her book. And I probably get up around 6, so I'm not, you know, one of these Bill Gates guys or uh tom cook that you know was up at 3 30 in the morning yeah. you know i can't say that that's my success but I, I i firmly believe what helps any success i've had is that i stay away from the big three yeah 
Well, I, and I respect that, and I, I think that it's an important lesson that people sometimes, unfortunately, have to learn on their own or watch people around them. So what's the best piece of advice, or what's the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? The customer's always right. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's true. In today's world. I mean, just think about it. Every person with a phone is a reporter and a critic. Yeah. And they're not, I mean, and, and they've learned that, and there's a certain sect of people that understand the power of their phone in a review, yeah. and they will lie to do anything Take they can to get something for free and you get advantage of it. And the problem with that is it makes you callous to when a person actually has a legitimate problem. Yeah. I mean, we make mistakes. You know, we, we have over 150 transactions a day. Yeah. We make mistakes. We are humans. And, you know, if we do, I'm going to give you what you're owed and more. But the problem is you have to really start the, the inspector process to see is this legit or not. Because if there are 10 issues, there are two of them that are complete false. So what, if there's any one thing for the listeners that's listening to this uh, episode of the podcast that you want to leave them with uh, before we close out, what, what would be something that, like, a, a piece of advice that you would, uh, besides the big three, what's the most important piece of advice you would give to a young person, old person, doesn't matter, someone that wants more, wants to achieve more, wants to be more, uh, and wants to build what they may think is success but will always change, what, what piece of advice would you give them? I think the, the greatest piece of advice is that sometimes the best piece of advice is how not to do something. Yeah. And so pay attention to that because there's a million books and podcasts and however you want to digest your media out there of how to succeed and how to be great and how to do this and how to do that. There are very few on what not to do. Yeah. And the pitfalls will kill you significantly quicker than any great piece of self-help. Man, I think that's like such a good piece of advice. Um, you know, we talk about it in our office some, um, and we talk about, you know, my wife and I, when we, uh, before I acquired the first dealership that we bought, a couple years before that, it was acquired by another gentleman that had multiple dealerships. And I had worked there for about nine years at the time. And, you know, I worked there from the time I was about 19 years old, uh, just kind of sweeping floors, doing the deal and had worked myself into what was a management leadership position in the dealership. And, you know, it was, it was crazy whenever they came and took over this dealership uh, because it was just a, kind of a scary time. It was the unknown for us, the employees. And also at that time, I had been trying to buy the dealership, but things just didn't work out the way that, you know, we wanted them to at that time. And so this other person bought it. Well, the week they took over, I mean, they punched me in the face. I mean, I had literally worked there nine years. I had my office that had all my awards and all my pictures of my family. And I walked in the first morning and introduced myself to him for the first time. And everything that I owned, everything that I had in that dealership, you know, for the last nine years was just sitting in a box. And so I asked the general manager, I said, so does this mean I don't have a job? You know, kind of what's going on? He's like, no, you have a job, but this does, doesn't belong here anymore, and this isn't your office. And I said, okay, well, what do you want me to do? And anyway, we went through this whole deal, and over about a week's period of time, they treated me and the other employees so poorly. They talked 
about how dumb, you know, the things that we used to do. You know, we didn't have the guidance. We didn't have the tools. Damn, is this dude basing out? Do That's a lack special over do, there. Do, Look do, at pe that. do people still do that? Apparently. It's funky town. But anyway, this guy treated us that first week. He treated the employees, you know, poorly, right? And so I remember it was about four years later that we bought our first dealership uh, outside of the initial dealership. And we were going to, I was going to take over the dealership that next morning. I was going to be breaking the news to the employees that morning on this is what's going on. And there was a lot of change that was about to take place. And my wife told me, she said, you know, do not forget how those other people made you feel. You know, don't forget this is what not to do. You've seen what not to do, and you need to make sure that you do it better going forward. Well, we did 12 acquisitions of dealerships in a 36-month period, and there wasn't a single time that whenever I was going to that dealership uh, that I didn't have that burned into my mind of my wife saying, do not forget, you know, how you were treated. You learned what not to do. And I think that just those types of lessons all through life are really important. You know, to, to, to close things out, I just want to kind of recap a lot of what we talked about. So if you're listening to the podcast, I know this is live. It even feels different for me. I'm like, I don't know if we're supposed to entertain people over at the Pac-Man. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know if I'm supposed to look out here, but our crowd's pod, doubled since we started. The crowd so has It's huge. Yeah, they're standing in line. Oh, my God. The crowds are huge. Uh, it must be 40 small hands people in here oh do you hey do you know that your urinal is the smallest urinal i've ever seen in my entire life in this bathroom here that's impressive you've seen a lot of urinals dude that thing the the handle was at my belly button i ha has anybody did anybody else see that I had why, to, why are you looking at the ladies i mean they i, I doubt they've asking. been into the men's room I, to check I the urinal out i literally had to do a squat to stand up and use the bathroom it was just odd, man. You need to raise your urinal. Anyway, the most... It is... I'm not that tall. It's a very... Anybody else go to the urinal? Okay, so verify it is low. So anyway, hey, really, honestly, if you're listening to the podcast, you're not watching this, this has been fun. It, it's something different. But at the end of the day, what's most important to me, there's a couple things that I want to do here. So the most important thing to me is that our listeners get value okay i want them to have to hear a message from you i wanted you to be on here because you have a lot to give a lot of value a lot of experiences okay not everybody's story is the same not everybody's story has to be the same you know you call it being um you know born with a silver spoon i think that's just a term that people use who are assholes to be honest sorry for the language but in general, I think that what it is, is like you said, you were blessed. You were just fortunate to be brought into an opportunity, and you've taken that opportunity and have really just like, you know, you are multiplying that over and over and over again, and that's what's so impressive. But listening to this, to you speak, and for the listeners who are listening uh, to this podcast, to this episode, I want you to go back and re-listen over and over and over the message that Will has talked about values, morals, 
ethics, doing the right thing when people aren't watching, uh, you know, knowing that your decision making, your choices have an impact on people more than just you. If you're a single person with no employees and you want to be stupid, go. If you have no dreams to inspire other people or to do great things, make stupid choices. But if you have this desire or this want, this, you, you know, talk is talk and talk is cheap. So people do have, there's all this social media about being great, being an entrepreneur, but understanding the responsibility that comes with that, because I carry a heavy load of responsibility. You know, I have 350 employees, not 450, but enough, right? It's across three states. We're closing down a store in Alpharetta, Georgia next week because it's the right thing to do for the business. It just is what it is. And Daniel, my COO, and I are flying there on Monday night to be there Tuesday morning so we can spend the day with the team and be the ones that lock the door at the end of the day. We don't have to do that. It's the right thing to do. Over and over and over again in your message, you talk about the doing the right thing, the morals, the values, your ethics. And I just want to reiterate that over and over, if you're listening to this, it doesn't matter whether you were blessed to be born into an opportunity where you have things, because more people screw that up than less. Uh, that's my experience. I don't know if that's true. The date is 2% make it to the fourth generation. 2%. 2% that, so if you start at 100 yeah. when the first guy or girl gets it, by the time he gets support, 2% success rate. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like first generation builds it, the second generation uh, kind of makes snorts money, it. third generation destroys it. Snorts it. Snorts it. The second generation snorts it. Snorts it. Snorts it. So the first generation <laughs> makes it, the second generation snorts it, yeah. the third generation just screws it up yeah. and two percent of fourth generation people actually make it yep. this dude is a living example of the two percent of fourth generation people who have not only made it but are thriving giving back to this community giving buying businesses and making things better because of it and there's no question that it comes from the examples of seeing not what not to do the examples of seeing what to do uh, but having a, a balance, a moral compass that guides him in his decision-making. He's someone who inspires me all the time. I, I, I really do. I, I, you're, I'm inspired by the way you work with your wife, your family, your priorities, your business, your employees, the way you care. And so I just hope that, uh, that if you're listening, that that's what you have gotten out of this message. Kevin, I, I don't know if I can say it any better, so... Thank well, you, man. It's an honor to be with you because, you know, Kevin and our stories are very different. And what's great, though, is that they, they share a lot of similarities in the way that we do operate and how, how we're taking it forward. So yeah. it, to, to Kevin's point, it's not where you start. It's how you finish. That's right. That's so exactly finish strong. It. Finish strong. So with that, I got one thing that I want to do uh, just because we are live. And... Uh, Reed, I don't know if it's okay or appropriate for me to read this or just to share just a slight. Is it okay with you? There's a young man sitting here, and there's several people in this audience that uh, I, I, we, have a, we have a huddle every Tuesday morning with our leadership team, right? And for 25 minutes, I, I get up and try to give it my very best. Uh, I wake up every single day, and I'm working in this business every single day to inspire 
the people at Freedom Power Sports. But about a year ago, almost a year ago, um, I was being asked and being told and encouraged to do a podcast. You know, our buddy Chris Powers started his podcast, and that it's becoming more and more popular. And at the beginning of this year, I had wrote down some things that I wanted to accomplish, just personally. Some, you know, I have my business, my family, and my personal goals. And I had wrote down that I wanted to do this, po- do the podcast. But about 30 days later, um, I was at a conference, uh, Grant Cardone, 10X Growth Con. I had the opportunity to be a speaker there, 10,000 people. It was a real honor. There was great, you know, there was all these famous people, and then I just got to be this filler dude. I was like the stand-in double. No one's a filler Whenever, for Grant yeah, Cardone. No Come one's on. a filler, but it was an honor, right? And when I left there, I just went back to my notes, and I said, no, I'm going to do this because this is important to me, and I'm going to make time to do it. Uh, but I had to ask myself, really, like, why are you doing this? Okay, this is not about popularity for me. This is not about... Uh, being famous or anything like that um you know sarah and the marketing team they made me like do like call myself the kevin lackey so like i didn't come up with that (laughs) they they are helping me with from a marketing standpoint doing certain things but i have never done this for any reason uh that's self-gratifying it's only been to take messages like yours and messages that I may have on my own and my, on my podcast in hopes that someone will hear it, be inspired by it, and, you know, change their course of life, change their direction, or go do things uh, differently or better than they ever have. Like, my hope and goal after this podcast is that people who are listening to this uh, or will listen to it at some point, no matter where they're at in their journey, they will reflect more and more and more on the things that you talked about around values and morals and why it's important to do the right thing, right? That's why we do this. So this young man over here, Reed uh, Presley is his name, and I haven't seen Reed in a couple years. We crossed paths and got introduced just, you know, throughout being busy in business, and I literally haven't seen you in a couple years. So I have no idea who's listening to my RFN podcast. I have gotten a ton of feedback from people. You know, we have a thousand plus listens or something like, I don't know what all it is, but, you know, a lot of people are listening and I'm getting all this feedback. And this is the reason why I do this. And this is why you should be proud. I'm proud to have you and and I'm honored to have you. And your message message is important. And you and I are very much like where things feel corny. Like this feels corny to me, right? But it's not. It's cool. We're doing it. We're doing our best. We're, I don't care what other people think, but sometimes they, things can feel corny. And a lot of this process, there's been times where I'm, think, I'm asking myself, why am I doing this? And then I get messages or I get something from someone. I get a phone call or an email or Daniel will say, yeah, I talked to one of our buddies and he's listening to your podcast and really getting a lot from it. I haven't seen Reed here in a couple years and he walks in you know, dressed to the nines, a, a young professional, and he came here as a result of our us marketing and saying, hey, come here and join us. And he wrote me this letter. And this this was incredibly humbling to me, dude. This is incredibly humbling. Like, I've, I've gotten messages and other stuff, but to walk up to me and hand me a card, uh, and I'm not going to read it word for word, 
But the Arfin podcast, us not seeing each other for two years plus, uh, he came across the Arfin podcast through social media or whatever, I don't know how. Uh, and it has changed the direction of his motivation, his thinking. He's actually told me that he's listened to every episode on the podcast and re-listening to the episodes now. Uh, we have episodes on the power of no. We have a bunch of great entrepreneurs. We have the, the on multitasking and all these different things on how to how to do the right things, how to be a good, hardworking, ethical person who brings value to people every single day. And that's like the winning recipe. And so that's why I do this. And Reed, I, I will never forget the moment that you handed me this card and this coin. And no matter how cheesy it has felt over time to try to build this podcast. My goal is that it, it reaches and touches people and can change uh, the thinking of any person that may hear this. And I sure appreciate your message and being a part of it. Thank you, And Kevin. that's it. Thank you for listening to the Arfin Podcast. My guest, Will Churchill. It was live. It was weird. It was different. No was edits. A, no edits. No edits allowed. I had a lot of fun, and I really appreciate you. And everybody, thank you for being here that came out to support us from uh, Fort Brewery, from you know Frank Kent, the families, everybody. Hope you all have a great night. Be safe going home. And do better. 